Hi, I'm Chad Emerson, and this is the Downtown Explorer Podcast, the virtual third place where we gather for interesting conversations with downtown innovators and entrepreneurs. Hi, everyone. We are back on the Downtown Huntsville Explorer Podcast right here at the worldwide headquarters of Downtown Huntsville, Inc., and we're excited that Scott McLean developer extraordinaire is joining us welcome scott thank you very much glad to be with you sir so when i say developer extraordinaire um you've been involved in the development world for a long long time and the development world is filled with acronyms two of the most popular ones are uli and icse tell us about your experiences with the urban land institute and the international council of shopping centers these are two great organizations. Urban Land Institute is the world's largest planning and design and development and forward-thinking urban planning organization. It's made up of architects and designers and engineers and developers and city people and planners and lawyers and brokers uh, and developers, the whole works. Anyone who's thinking about the urban environment. And the intellect that comes from ULI is really pretty spectacular. There is great thought and great vision, uh, sometimes more than cities can handle. But all of these people come together and work very hard to think about what's best for our cities, what's best for our urban built environment. So of all of the ULI events, I've been to a handful, but I think you've been to hundreds probably. What's... Tell us, what's one of the coolest ULI events you've ever been to? You're like, oh, boy, this is a great experience. One of the most fabulous things at ULI events is not simply the speakers and the programming, but the tours. The tours are led by the people that did the development. And so you will go to San Francisco, for example, and you'll, you'll tour a project prior to the meeting. You get on a bus and the developer will be there or the architect will be there and they'll tell you what went on and how this worked. And that's terribly fascinating. So the opportunity to engage with significant people. You know, I, I know the chairman of Related Company, which is the company that built Hudson Yards and all of these magnificent projects. I was able to go on a tour with him at a ULI meeting. How am I going to have that access routinely? That's really fascinating about Urban Land Institute meetings. What's a recent tour you've been on where is you've just you've seen a lot and you've like I've not seen this. This is a really interesting way to develop. Well, we're going to talk about some of my development in this area, I would expect, and some of that would be in mixed-use projects. So I've made a point to try to seek out and tour the mixed-use projects, and there are two or three in uh, California that were fascinating to go with the developer or the architect and to see how those work. Santana Row, for example, is a project that many people are familiar with because it's so cool, and it's very instructive to go if you're thinking about this sort of development, thinking about this sort of mixed use, to go there and hear their stories. We all have stories. There's always a history. And, and most of them are long and some difficult. And there were with that project as well. But that would be an example. And the International Council of Shopping Centers, I remember going to my first ICSC event in Las Vegas, the big national confab, uh, and walking in there with the deputy mayor of the city of Montgomery, where I was working at the time, and thinking, this is one of the most massive gathering of people I've seen. What is the ICSC? The International Council of Shopping Centers is actually what it used to be as of 30 days ago. It is now ICSC. And there is a new acronym, Shopping Centers as a Development of 
our world have changed. And no longer do we consistently have a row of retailers. Uh, we may have a retailer, a doctor, a gymnasium, food places, uh, other service providers. So it's no longer exactly a shopping center. So it is now the ICSC. This is a huge organization. They're at the meeting that you attended in Las Vegas, it's historically been known as Recon. I think that may even change, uh, meaning real estate connection. But there have been as many as 60,000 people essentially in one room. And you're right, it is overwhelming. Uh, there are booths. Some people think of a booth as a table with a drape on it and two chairs behind it. But the booths there are bigger than your office. And have oh, it felt like they built like entire cities inside of there, some they, of them. <laughs> they do. Uh, the Cabela's booth, for example, has so many large stuffed animals and a trout pond. And this is in the middle of the Las Vegas Convention Center. There's a, a travel trailer, which is the office where you have your meetings. Uh, they really go all out historically. Now, we'll see what happens post-COVID. We've, we're having our first uh, resurrection of that meeting in December, which is atypical, is routinely in May, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. And it'll certainly be smaller, and it may be different, and so we don't know. But in its heyday, uh, this is where developers and retailers and brokers and cities and everybody comes together all in one room, and for three days you have everybody thinking about retail and how to work together. So I think a lot of people would be interested in learning the how. So... We hear, like, when we're recording today, Trader Joe's opened their first store in Huntsville. You have, you know, Dave & Buster's, you have Whole Foods, you have all these brands that are, are finding Huntsville. But what's the process? How do they end up here? Because you're in that side of the world where there's recruiting and there's but also a lot of metrics. How does, or how does someone like you recruit a business, a retail business, to the Rocket City? Let's talk about that in two ways. Okay. How, are, how are those decisions made? And then how do we as developers and property owners and brokers try to solicit those? So retailers have many metrics at their disposal. Uh, many of them are quite uh, sophisticated on where they need to go, where their customer is, where they can do best. Um, they follow these. But Something that people don't know is that there is a very soft side to the site selection and site determination. And that has to do with how do people, people make these decisions, feel about the place? Does it have a good growing economy? Is it a good place to do business? Does it feel good? And many of the people that make these decisions are 25 years old and then their first role in with that retailer and they're thinking about their bonus and they're thinking about well do i want to put a trader joe's in this market is it going to help advance my career and will it help me get my bonus do i feel good when i look around does it look prosperous do people here care about it do i see our customers so it's there's a, a soft side in addition to that metric side so then how do we solicit people like that I've made a career of that. And everybody that you mentioned, plus anybody that, that you will probably mention, I've already talked to. And even though most of those haven't come to my project since we haven't gotten to that part, I've talked to them in first or early on about coming to our project. The way that you do that is you find out who to talk to. 
And that can be a challenge. That can take six months to get to the right person to have a substantive conversation. And then you have to have something good to sell, which in case of Huntsville and Madison County, we have a great place to sell. And you then try to gain the confidence of this person that you are going to represent their interests well and help them make a positive decision based on both those metrics and also those soft side uh, factors. And so it's personality-driven. It's initiative-driven. It's perseverance-driven. It's sending newspaper articles, which Huntsville, Madison County, and Madison have great articles to send about, this is why you need to pay attention here. Look at this job growth. Look at these new announcements. Look at this whatever that we're doing that's wonderful, and there's so much that we are. Those things influence people. People make these decisions, and these decisions are far softer than you think. They are not simply metric-driven. You've traveled the country for conferences and also recently by RV with your wonderful wife, Yolanda. So, Such fun. Yes. Uh, um, as you travel to these different cities, what are some of the downtowns that you've seen that you think downtown Huntsville should benchmark itself against? That's challenging because we are constantly out with real estate eyes. Uh, yes, we travel in RVs. Yes, we go to the beach. But what I kid about is we go to the beach and we put out our chase lounges and we draw site plans in the sand. <laughs> and when we go to a town... There is a recovery program for that. Scott, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> and we, we need it. And when we go to a downtown, yes, we go have dinner. But we're constantly looking at how the downtown works, how the restaurants work, how the office interacts, where the residential is. And every downtown has a great idea that Huntsville can use. And so we collect these. I have 15,000 photographs that I've taken, and that's a, a pretty accurate number as opposed to just made up. Uh, I take photographs of all sorts of things. Uh, it would impress you, and you would do the same thing. I'll take a picture of a fire hydrant. And we have some very classy fire, fire hydrants in our community and all sorts of urban elements that contribute to the place that is a downtown. Um, so I'd say all of them. Everyone we go to, we find something that's useful, both uh, domestically and also in foreign countries. Um, there's so much to learn. Uh, there's not a downtown that gets everything right. They're downtowns, they get parts of things right. You go to Greenville, South Carolina, they have so much going on. You go to parts of Boston and Cambridge, they have so much going on. Uh, many places in California have niches and parts that are terrific and other parts that aren't. And we don't have, and we're closer in Huntsville to having every part right because we have such a small downtown. But you can go to Collierville, Tennessee, small towns that have, they're doing their square right. Um, so, we, we go to downtown specifically whenever we travel and on purpose and for that initiative to go see what they're doing and what ideas we can bring back and how further we can be enriched to say, well, that'll work in Huntsville or that'll work here or, or couldn't we or wouldn't we or all the rest. It's, it's fun. It's retail therapy. And it's also very instructive. It sounds like we might both have phones filled with an abnormally large number of fire hydrants and park benches, yes. but isn't it true to I, I, I'm go to a downtown and you want to take a picture of the big, beautiful building, but the small micro details seem to add up just as importantly, right? They are, they are. Um, some towns, for example, do art particularly well, and art can be monstrous and three stories tall, or I mentioned Hudson Yards like 
that's what, 10 stories tall. But art can be as small as three inches uh, on a curb uh, and be fascinating. And it adds to the spark, that sense of place that we're all trying to achieve when we go these place, places. Uh, Melbourne, Australia is one where, for you, Chad, you, you need to take some sort of relaxing pill before you walk around downtown Melbourne. It'll blow your mind. The art and the design. Like kind of like the blue pill in the Matrix or uh, something? Uh, or something. <laughs> it's, just, it's just overwhelming with the design that uh, is incorporated into that city and the art in particular. I'm fond of our Art Alley. I'm not sure what we call it. but uh, The Clinton Row Color Walk. Yes, I'm fond of the Clinton Row Color Walk. <laughs> and in Melbourne, there are a dozen such alleys with various decorations, including 50 bird cages hanging at their various levels, uh, 70 umbrellas open and suspended, uh, all sorts of things that just bring a panache and a delight and a surprise to whatever space there might be. And it's those neglected spaces that you wouldn't ordinarily think are great. You remember the old alley. You want to dodge the alley. That's where it's nasty. It's it's scary. You don't want that. And now we're celebrating our alleys and we're making them art places. It's just terrific. So let's uh, return from Australia and come back here to the Rocket City. I'm sure a lot of people have been waiting for me to ask about Constellation. Uh, when I moved here in 2013, uh, it was in progress, and now it has officially gone vertical. But before we talk about what it, what it is right now and what it's going to become, tell us, your family has a long connection with that site. Walk us through that. Long and connection and history and uh, timeliness. I'm just glad you didn't say 1800-something. Uh, actually, my late father bought into the property in the 1980s, and it was a mall. It was a Sears mall. There was a Sears auto store. There was a Woolworths with a snack counter. There was a grocery store. And the mall was Huntsville's first mall. I believe it was built in 1957. And that tree that still stands out on the site was planted I guess in about 1957. Unfortunately, it's going to be in the middle of a hotel lobby before it's over. But it was uh, that property, and Dad uh, was a real estate broker and brokered into that and ultimately bought out the partners. The mall was uh, not doing particularly well, and it never was a particularly dynamic mall. However, it was the scene for some of Huntsville's fanciest social affairs, including the debutante ball, where the entire interior was draped in chiffon and tuxedos and long dresses adorned all of those patrons. And this was the heart of Huntsville Mall? The heart of Huntsville Mall. Uh, so named for the fact that it's in the middle of town and there, the street is so named as well on the backside. So then uh, the next piece of history is Dad and I started talking about it early in my career. And we said, well, this is not going to ever be a really great mall. Uh, and it needs to be a mixed-use project. It, we knew at the time that it was the front door of downtown, and it was a very significant piece of uh, real estate. My, my father was wonderful at seeing the future and being prescient about what was good real estate. So we bought that. Um, he died. We tore it down in 2007 and went to Las Vegas to that ICSC meeting, and there was nobody home because we decided to have a recession. And that started a series of partners, who some of who died and some of who decided this is a great project and we love it, but it's really hard and went away in various other discussions. So it was not until recently that I have a, 
a partner from Chicago who is completely committed to the project, and we've commenced 219 apartments. And we have just about finished putting the roof on, so we'll be dried in. Uh, we should complete in April, start leasing in uh, January or so. Um, we, and they'll be the nicest in town until somebody builds something nicer. Um, we have also uh, had to postpone several times the retail component, which interests people. Um, as you know from the city study and your understanding of downtown, Although we have wonderful and terrific restaurants in downtown, we don't have enough for the capacity and the money that wants to be spent on restaurants in downtown. Matter of fact, we could fit another 200,000 square feet of restaurants in downtown, and everybody would do well. So I'm thinking that we're going to have a number of restaurants, and we have restarted those conversations. The reason of late why that we postponed some were, were two important reasons. You may have heard about this COVID pandemic, which has caused restaurants to be rather confused and shut down and struggle. And then the second thing, you've heard about construction costs. And the way this translates to uh, retail is the rents that were appropriate and feasible a couple of years ago are not now. They've gone up a lot. They've gone up like, I hadn't done the math, but like 30 or 40 percent. Um, if you take that in conjunction with COVID, that really makes it challenging for a restaurant to decide that they want to come to Huntsville, Alabama. So when you see somebody taking brand new space and building ground up, that is a real commitment in our community and to our community because they're spending a lot of money uh, to do that and they're taking a lot of risk. You're seeing backfilling of restaurants and re remodeling of restaurants and we're going to do that as much as we can because the ground-up new restaurants are so expensive. That translates into expensive rent, and you're already paying $12 for your salad at lunch. Uh, with new rent, you may be paying $23 for your salad at lunch. So, yes, we will have restaurants, and there are those that in our world who need to grow and have to grow and can afford to grow, and we're talking to them, and we're having great luck. And we're in discussions right now with restaurants that you can go to in Chicago and Los Angeles and, and Las Vegas and soon to be Huntsville, Alabama. And so people who don't understand what mixed use means, it's really you take a series of complementary uses, whether it be retail, residential, lodging, office, and you put them together in a way that they all peacefully and coexist, right? That is a very challenging process. <laughs> the, the hardest kind of development there is, is mixed use. And that's because each one of those product types that is so complementary to a whole has its own requirements. Retail wants 10 parking spaces for every thousand square feet of interior space. Offices want four spaces, uh, sometimes five. Apartments want 1.6 space. So you've got parking, you've got visibility, you've got access, you've got loading and trash and smoke and fumes. You have all of these conflicting things that you have to come together and make everything work. It's the hardest development there is. It's also the slowest. But what you're really doing is you're building town. If you go back 100 years or maybe not that far, you see town, and town is mixed use. You have people living above the store. You've got a rental place it might be horses might be cars on the ground floor and a lawyer next door it's mixed use it is life it is our concept of town so with mixed use we have really gone back to the past we have gone back to the way things were 
for millennia. And we are building a combination of all of these things that are life and that make up a downtown. The idea that the baker can live above the bakery. Yes. So um, as we wrap it up here, great conversation. Um, let's summarize the current master plan for the Constellation site. You have a, if, if you haven't been down here, or if you're wondering what's going on, you have the Spring Hill Suites. And what's under construction now are the, the lofts you're talking about, right? That'll be 219 apartments. Okay. And they're going to be beautiful. I've seen the drawings. What else? There's still more land on the site to the south. And there's a other couple of sites well, there's a couple to the south, and there's a larger one to the north. Kind of orient us what the rest of the plan calls for. So between the apartments and Clinton on the north side of the site, I'm hoping and expecting there'll be five restaurants. And I expect they'll probably be all new to Huntsville, probably new to Alabama. And they will. we have to weave them together. And putting five properties in a tight site together and accommodating all of their interests is challenging. Then to the west of the Spring Hill Suites, there's a site. We need a, an office tower in downtown. Um, Class A, or the nicest sort of office space, is scarce. If you want 5,000 square feet of wonderful office space, it's hard to find downtown. And then if you want a piece of land on which to build a new building and tower, there's almost none. We have a site where we can build a 250,000 square foot tall building. We would like to do that. Uh, we have to decide whether we as a society want to go back to the office and we want to be in an office and whether it's a vertical office. So office is still evolving and it may be a while longer for that to happen. To the east of the Spring Hill Suites toward the Von Braun Center is the one tree on the site, which I, again, regret to inform, is right in the middle of the only buildable area on that site. And we sold that to the owner of the Spring Hill, and he will build a second hotel there. So when we get through, we'll have two hotels, 219 apartments, hopefully five restaurants, and a large office building. And we will do our best to incorporate those into a very nicely landscaped, um, people-friendly way to interact with all of those so that it's an asset to our town as its front door. Truly a place that you'll be able to live work and play. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the best human qualities is resiliency. And Scott, you have been resilient through this process. I mean, with all the, whether pandemics or whether it be recessions, seeing those lofts go vertical on Constellation, it must make you feel good. It's very pleasant. It has been very challenging. Uh, as I said, mixed use development is the hardest, and this has been a hard project. Um, but a project like that typically takes 10 years. And if you take out the Great Recession and then uh, a few other discussions with the city, I'm right on time. Oh. <laughs> so I'm not really late It just because it takes 10 years. But we have had some extraordinary things happen during this process that has made it so lengthy. Well, there you have it. The latest on Constellation, uh, an exciting uh, new addition to downtown Huntsville, currently under construction. Um, and we'll remain under construction because there's lots of new parts to add. So, Scott, thank you for your work in Constellation. We are going to wrap it up now with what we call our favorite five. It's a segment where we try to learn the personality behind the person. You ready for your favorite five? Bring it on. Okay. These are designed to be one-word answers. You're welcome to elaborate, but designed to be one-word answers. So, uh, number one, the Scott McLean favorite five, an RV trip to the northwest or northeast? Northwest. Open parentheses. I'm familiar with that. I've been to Portland three times now. 
Portland, Maine or Portland, Oregon? You're right. Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Number two, Kevin Cabernet Sauvignon, Kevin or Cabernet Blanc. I'm a solve guy. Cab solve, as I've learned they say in some places. And when you're up in Oregon, you probably do a little Pinot Noir too, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Downtown Charleston or downtown Savannah? Tough, but Charleston. You're going to your next ULI conference. Are you taking a private jet or a tricked-out RV? Private jets are really fun, uh, but so is the RV. Uh, I have a RV in the backyard. I do not have a private jet in the backyard, so probably RV. And when you celebrate the completion of Constellation, will it be with a giant tasty cake or a great piece of pie? Probably pie. What kind of pie? There's so many choices, but um, lemon icebox comes to mind. Well, that sounds like it's going to be a real treat as we get closer to Constellation. So, Scott, thanks for joining us. Um, thanks for Constellation. Thanks for all the wisdom you've brought uh, to our relationship as friends, but also to our community. So we really appreciate it. Honored to be here, sir. Thank you. We will talk to everyone next time on the Downtown Huntsville Explorer podcast.